Welcome and thanks for joining us here at the Bethel Church Podcast. For more information about Bethel and who we are, you can visit us online at BethelChurch.info. We hope you are encouraged and that you find hope in today's message. All right, open your Bibles to Hebrews 4. Verse 14, 15 and 16. This is a non-traditional Christmas passage. Unless you read it like this. Since then, we have a baby who became a high priest. And we'll just read it like that. How about that? Since then, no. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. This is where we are, Jesus. Passed through the heavens. See, this is where we are right now. And the reason I wanted the Lord, I feel like the Holy Spirit was like, Daniel, you gotta preach on this. Don't be preaching on like baby Jesus because we need to move backwards. Where are we right now in the kingdom of God? We're at a place where we are on this earth and Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father making intercession for you and for me. Now, if you don't know what intercession means, don't pretend like you do. Hear me out. Intercession is simply this. He is going to the Father on my behalf. In other words, when God looks at those that are in Christ, this is, going, this is going to mess up some of y'all's theology. So just get ready for it, especially if you're New Year's and you're like, oh my goodness, what in the world? When God looks at the believer, he doesn't see our mess ups and our mistakes and our sin because Jesus is sitting at the right hand and he's making intercession for us. He only sees the righteousness of Jesus. And that doesn't motivate us to sin more. It actually empowers us to go and sin no more. So since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, not once, but twice, because Jesus was in heaven. And then the word became flesh and lived among us, was born into the world like one of us, went through the same stuff we went through, but went through more than what we went through actually. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. Just this past Thursday, we officially began our Advent season. A time of fasting, prayer, and preparing our hearts for the great celebration of Christmas. I got the emails. Pastor Daniel, why did you call a fast during the holiday season? This was unusually cruel leadership. I didn't get any emails. I'm just joking, y'all. Some of you are like, who emailed him? The audacity. No, I I realize fasting during the holiday season, I mean, it is kind of strange to take Christmas and make it about growing closer to Jesus. I get it. It's kind of weird. It's going out there on a limb this year. Uh, no, you know, like our hearts, honestly, really, truly have to be prepared to even celebrate Jesus. In a season where it would seem like it's the easiest 
to go after Christ like we've never gone after him before? Can we all be honest and say, it's actually probably one of the most difficult seasons of life to serve Christ. Why? Well, it starts that Friday after Thanksgiving. You gotta get up early. It's a family tradition. We must get the sales, right? We must. And I don't have time for devotion time with Daddy Jesus. He'll understand. So we hit it up, right? And then Monday's coming. Cyber Monday's coming, right? Come on now. Y'all act like y'all weren't clicking away, trying to get the best deals. Look, I got six kids. I was all up on that stuff. I'm like, Caitlin, if we don't buy Christmas now, we'll never be able to afford it. <laughs> yes, I do need this vegetable slicer that has a 24 horsepower Briggs and Stratton motor. <laughs> no, but look, it's, it's, and, and then you have all, I'm not telling you stuff you don't know. I'm just reminding you. Then you've got all the expectations from family. You need to go here. You need to do that. You need to come to this Christmas party. So it can seem like one of the times of year where we should be easy, it should be easy to worship him. It actually can become very difficult. That's why we're doing this Advent fast. That's also why we ask you to get the book, The Greatest Gift by Ann Voskamp. Will you put it up there for me? There's a little QR code. Ironically enough, it's going to take you to a website where you can purchase the book. <laughs> but this little book, and, and please take time to maybe just at least look into it and decide if it's something you will do or not. Um, it's a beautiful way of looking at the coming of Christ in a way we've never seen it before. And um, if you're a parent in here and you've never led a family devotion, with your kids before consistently and you don't feel qualified to do it, congratulations. None of us are qualified, but we've been made qualified through what Christ did on the cross. So now you're qualified. This is a great way to start. We're reading it to our kids each night, going through it personally first. Um, I've actually, I'm kind of cheating because I've been through it before. And uh, then reading it to our kids, it's got a lot of really good discussion questions. No matter how old your kids are, I mean, you can make them sit, you can make them come to the table, make them put down their phones, cut off the TV, and say, Ain't nobody doing nothing until we read this. Like it or lump it, we're going through it. <clears throat> I encourage you to take this time to, to, to go through it, though, and, and then you'll be up with us and you'll understand some of our stuff on social media. So in these three verses, there are two commands. The first command is this, to hold fast our, what is it? Oh, good, great job, everybody. I saw it come up on behind me though, you just cheated. To hold fast to our confession. If we're commanded to hold fast our confession, what must it mean? It must mean that sometimes we're gonna struggle to hold fast to our confession. But when we hold fast, we are, we're, we're, we're confessing without wavering and without budging. In other words, we're saying the same thing that God says regardless of where we are and regardless of the season of life that we're in. 
My challenge to you as you walk through this Advent season is to hold fast to your confession of faith. Do not bend to accommodate less than reasons for Christmas. Don't feel pressured to go back on what God has already led you out of because of pressure from your family and because of pressure from friends and because of pressure from your job. Everyone that's in recovery, which AKA is all of us, it's just taking some of us longer to realize it. Amen. Every one of you, you say God brought you out of something five months ago. Don't Roll back into it because when you walk in the door of that Christmas party, they say, what are you drinking? Tell them the Holy Ghost and they won't be able to say anything else to you. I promise you'll get no more peer pressure. Okay. Tell them the new one. We laugh about it. We joke about it, but I'm serious. If he's broken the chains on your life of addiction, don't hold fast to your confession. Hold fast. Don't go back. It's easy to slip back during the holiday season. But we're not doing it. We're going to hold fast. Everybody say, hold fast. Look at your neighbor. Say, hold fast. I'm just kidding. Don't say that. Why do we hold fast though? Well, this is why. Because we get a new pair of boots and we lace them up tighter than we've ever laced them. And we get super determined. For those of you who have been around long enough, thank you. Absolutely not. You're going to find that every command in these three passages is done because of something he has done for us. Why do I hold fast my confession? Because I have a great high priest. I don't hold fast my, my confession because I'm the most disciplined person in the world. I hold fast. And when I feel like I'm about to slip, I remember that I have not just a high priest. I have a great high priest. I have a great high priest who wasn't just offering up the sacrifice, but who became the sacrifice for me. So I hold fast to my confession for we don't have more about the high priest we have. We don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Honestly, this is the heart behind Christmas. That baby Jesus was in heaven. And he left the high place to come to the low place. In fact, was born as lowly as you can be born. He put on flesh. He lived among us and he went through what we went through. In fact, he went through worse. How do you know that? This is why. Because when you and me are tempted with sin, sometimes we give in on the second and third wave of temptation. He never gave in. So what does it mean? Every single time Jesus was tempted, he got the full extent of the temptation. So when we look up into heaven and we say, God, you don't understand. He says, no, actually I do. That's the purpose behind Christmas. To show you, I do get it. And every single time you see an image of Mary holding baby Jesus, understand this, she was holding a sacrifice. 
and it would be 33 years and that baby she was holding would be on a cross. We don't serve an apathetic God. The culture that this was written into was a Grecian culture and one of the main attributes of God and their pagan minds was this, is that he was distant and he was apathetic. So for these believers, these Jewish people who had been dispersed to hear this, it was flying in the face of the culture. He was saying, look, 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 our God is not distant. He didn't make the world and then go check out and get in his lazy boy and watch TV while things unfolded. He's not a distant. God. He's an involved God and he's more than an involved God. He's a become one of you so that he can sympathize with our weaknesses and with the temptation that we experience. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect to the fullest extent has been tempted. You know, this is also something I want everyone in here to remember. Jesus came into this world, lived like one of us to show us that everything that scripture says we can do and we can be is possible. Think about it. The Bible teaches us, become my favorite verse here recently. Resist the devil and he will flee. Yeah, 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 yeah. What does that mean? (laughs) This is what it means. Sometimes temptation feels like it ain't going nowhere. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It sets up shop and it's like one wave after the other and you're sitting here thinking to yourself, when is this gonna stop? I don't know how much longer I can hold on, but there's a promise from God. Look at to me, young people, there's a promise from God that if we resist the devil, he will flee. And what does Jesus do? He comes to this earth, becomes one of us to show us that if we will resist, he will flee. Temptation does not have to overcome us. You are not doomed to keep repeating the same mistakes you have made all of your life. I am not doomed to keep repeating the same mistakes I've made all my life. How do I know it? Because God's word says it. But how can I believe it? Because Jesus lived it. He lived that verse. And so if I wrote my hands up to heaven, I'm like, God, you don't understand. That's the sound of him knocking on my head. And that's what it sounds like. I got a pretty big head, by the way. I don't know if you ever noticed it before. Go ahead. Seven and three quarters. On a five, seven body. I'm just telling you, bro. I'm be looking like a Lego man. Thank you for loving me anyways, though. But he feels our pain. He understands our human limitations. Two pastors that I follow that you wouldn't know, probably, maybe you would, because they're not famous, but I think they're pretty cool. In their church, they have these movements where God has called families who are doing great financially to sell everything they have and move into low-income neighborhoods, not to reach them, 
but to understand. Because how can we reach them if we don't understand? If we try to, it'll look like this. But they move into the neighborhoods for a year before they even really say anything to anybody. Christ left heaven and moved in to our neighborhood so he could see what we see and go through what we go through. And I can hold fast to my confession because I don't serve a distant Savior. I can proudly say, He's been through what I've been through. He's gone through what I've gone through, but yet, but yet, he did not sin. In today's devotion, in the greatest gift, the book I was telling you about earlier, it retells the story of Noah's Ark. And, you know, I'm not going to put it up here, but most of you know it. If you don't, just go back and read it or get that little book and it'll direct you. It's like God looks down on creation and he sees the mess that it has become. <clears throat> and don't miss like one of the big points of that whole story. Like God looks down and sees all the evil and the Bible says it broke God's heart. It broke his heart. The God of the Old Testament is the same God of the New Testament. They're not two different gods. It's the same thing happens. God looks down he sees the earth some 2,000 years ago and he sees that it's still broken. It's still a mess. And just like he said he would do, it broke his heart and he sends another ark. But this ark was more final than the last one. Christmas is not just the celebration of baby Jesus. It's the celebration of joy because God showed us he didn't just tell us. He showed us that he cared for us enough to become one of us and go through what we go through, to feel our pain, to even experience death and to struggle with temptation like no one else did. So every, this is gonna be a little weird and awkward, but every time you see the manger this year, I'm gonna pray that you don't see baby Jesus. I'm gonna pray you see a high priest laying in the manger with his legs overflowing and his head out like this, going to the Father on our behalf. This is the verse many of you are like, get to verse 16, time's almost up. Here we are. Let us then, in other words, because of everything else that's been said, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need many times and I saw I was even going leaning this way too you you, you see when you read that verse like, like he came and lived among us he became like one of us he got down in the dirt he moved into my neighborhood I even told you a story about churches that were moving in the neighborhood so that they can sympathize our immediate response when we see something that Christ has done is to emulate what he did right and is that wrong? No. Is it right? No. It's true. 
But it's not the full truth blossomed. I know I'm ripping some of y'all's WWJD theology apart. For everybody over 30, I feel you. Daniel, we're supposed to go out and do what Jesus did. You're right, but not before we get to the throne of grace. You see, anytime we leave this place and we're hyped up and inspired to go out and do better, to do more, whoever's behind this pulpit has missed it. We don't go out to sympathize until we've gone to the throne of grace. Because if we do and we get it right, we'll become arrogant. And if we do and we don't get it right, we'll be destroyed. But we take a trip to the throne of empowerment where we'll get all the, all the grace and mercy we need to live out everything that he says that we can live out. So he says, because we have a high priest, because he left earth, he became one of us so he could sympathize with us. Because of that, we can hold fast to our confession. And because of all of that, draw to the throne of grace, near to the throne of grace with confidence, because that's where you're going to find mercy and grace in your time of need. This Christmas, don't let your weaknesses, don't let your sin, don't let your hurts keep you from the throne of grace. Let it be the very reason you go. It is the almost like a funny play on words. And one of you language teachers, you can tell me what this is called afterwards. I'm sure it's some deep literary tool that I just don't understand. But it is a thorn of grace and mercy. Yet many of us don't go because we are in need of grace and mercy. Daniel, you don't know what I've done this week. I, I backslid. Okay, tell me about that. Well, I went backwards. Okay, what's the end result there? I just can't worship him. I can't, I can't go to him. No, that's the reason we go to him. Wait, hold on. So you're telling me it's okay? No, I'm not telling you it's okay. That you keep like slipping up and messing up. But you just told me I could go to him anyway. Yeah. Did you know like that like the rabbis could not wrap their brain around the justice of God and the mercy of God. So they taught people that God had two thrones. Help me out, Hunter, real quick. Bring one up on stage. This is a third service special. Put it over there. Over there. You're dropping all the pins and the tithing envelopes. How's the church going to make budget? I'm just joking. All right. Thank you. Give Hunter a hand. Oh, not too much. Not too much. We don't want to blow them up or anything like that. Okay. So. 
<laughs> and we're revoking your church membership. <laughs> All right. So here we go. They literally taught it like this, that there was a throne that God sat on to bring justice. And there was a throne that God sat on to show mercy because they could not wrap their brains around a God who was just and showed mercy. And they did, they did theologically what a lot of us do. We put things in opposition that are not in opposition. For example, like man's free will and God's sovereignty. Somebody said, how, how do you reconcile God's sovereignty and man's free will? And the answer you should say is this, I don't, they're friends. God's justice and his mercy are not in opposition. He doesn't look at the believer who is living in sin and says, it's okay. In fact, he says it's wrong. It's wrong, it's wrong. But even though it's wrong, actually, I take that back, says God, because it's wrong and because the consequences are so terrible, you will never be able to make the payment for the sin that you have committed. So he looks fully at our sin. God does not look the other way. That is not grace and that is not mercy. We serve a God who looks at the terribleness of our sin and he says, even though, in fact, because of it, I'll pour my mercy down on you and I'll give you grace and mercy and give it all that you need. You see, God's Justice and his mercy, they flow in one. And that's why it's so beautiful. He's not looking away. He's looking directly at it. And he says, even though, even though. Pastor Daniel, you preach this message every single week. Preach it to the day I die. This is the gospel. We don't grow out of the gospel. We return to the fountain every single day of our life. And if you start drinking from another fountain, you can believe that it's a more mature doctrine for seasoned believers, but you're probably about to start a cult. We don't switch up. We don't earn anointings. We don't earn anything in the kingdom of God. It's all freely given. And it's not freely given because God looks the other way. It's freely given because he's looking at us dead in the face and he sees how jacked up, messed up and depraved our minds can be. And he says, I love you enough to give you a new mind, to give you a new heart. And I'll rip out that heart of stone the heart that you have let walls build up around it. And I will give you a heart of flesh that can be formed and that can be shaped. So the very reason that we don't want to come to the throne is really the very reason why we should come to the throne. Pastor Daniel, I, look, this morning on the way to church, me and the wife, we got an argument. We didn't even ride together and we still got an argument. And I said some stuff I shouldn't have said. I can't lift my hands in worship. Now that's the exact reason you should lift your hands in worship. 
Pastor Daniel, I was on like a four-month streak. Well, I'll tell you this. Quit counting. Let somebody else count for you. And when you want to check in, check in. But I did it again, Pastor Daniel. Well, the next time you do it again and give it in, I dare you to do something right when you're doing it again. Right then and there. Confess. Hold fast to your confession. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Even when I'm messing up, never been more the righteousness of God. Even when I'm slipping up, you've never been more the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And if we're not the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, then we're never the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So we approach with confidence. Wait a minute. It was a stretch to tell me that I could come to the throne, but now you're telling me I should approach with confidence? Yep. Even if you're in your grave clothes. Hmm. No, no, no. Don't brush it off. Come just like you are. Because if you brush it off, you might think that's the reason he accepted you. Literally come just like you are. You trying to tell me I ain't got to clean anything up. Don't do it. Because you'll brag about it if you do. That's God's word, not me. So we approach this throne of grace with confidence. Okay. Here I come, God. Coming to your throne of grace. And I will receive all the grace and mercy that I need. This is how it is from the very beginning of our relationship with God. And it's how you will grow in your relationship with God. I'm, I'm, just as your pastor, I wanna talk to some of you who have been saved for more than 15, 20 years. As I was praying for our church and I've been praying for our church the past year. As you read more and study more and you read people's books, there's a danger that you graduate from the gospel. It's not complicated. The gospel is super simple. And the more you drink of it, (laughs) the more you want it. The closer, I'm talking to some of you who've been saved for a while, the closer you get to perfection, the more you realize you are not. You ever use one of those makeup mirrors in the hotels, guys? The ladies use them all the time, but us guys, like, first time we ever seen one was in a hotel. And we like thinking, man, my skin's got, I got good complexion. And then you look in those makeup mirrors, you're like, dang! Our relationship with God is one, as we grow, we don't become more prideful. We actually become 
more humble. But the opposite of that is this, like we don't become self-deprecating either. Growing in relationship with God is this, knowing I need more grace and mercy, but equally knowing that he will give it to me if I ask. And they go together. Something many of you have seen and you've heard this before, but it's appropriate. Religion says, I messed up. Look at me, students, look at me. I want your eyeballs all on me real quick. Religion says, I messed up. My dad's gonna kill me. Christianity says, I messed up. I need to call my dad. Religion says, I'm doing it again. Therefore, I can't worship. Therefore, I can't run to the throne. Therefore, I've been disqualified. Christianity says, I've done it again. I need to worship. I need the throne. And I can approach it with confidence. Would you stand up with me this morning? Christmas, the Christmas season, the Advent season must begin with where we are. And where we are is this, on this earth. And baby Jesus done gone to heaven. And he's not a baby anymore. He's a high priest. Take that back. He's a great high priest. This morning, many of you are probably wrestling with this. It's probably, for some of you, it's flying in the face of some things that you've believed for a really long time. For many of you, you were like, "Uh, yeah, I know this, but I forgot. Thank you. I'm about to run, just give the altar call and I will run to the throne, wherever it may be. I will make a throne out of my seat. I don't care, Pastor, you know, I just need to respond. Give me just a minute and and you can, okay? Some of us have never come to the throne of grace and mercy ever in our lives. And why? It's simply because of this. We've never confessed that Jesus Christ is the Son of God with our mouth and believed in our heart that God raised him from the dead. I know this is the case in this church right now because I've, I've, I've gone around before, especially to our teenagers, and I'll say, are you saved? And they're like, why are you asking me that? I'm like, are you saved? And they'll say, yes. It's not all, it's just a handful from time to time. I say, are you saved? They're like, yes. And I'm like, why? And some of them will say, well, Jesus, right? (laughs) I'm like, yeah, you got it. But others of it, some of them will say, especially ones who have not been around for a while, they'll say, I mean, I try to do right. I'm like, tell me more. Like, well, um, I mean, like I, I've heard like the messages and like I try to live them out. And I mean, and I come to, I come to like, I'm a part of a group. And I'm like, oh, okay. Just being honest, like that, I think that's the kind of salvation that even some people in here might have. But that's not salvation. 
can't do salvation yourself. That's why it's called being saved. Because you were desperate, you were drowning, and you couldn't swim. You were enslaved to sin. And that's the, that's the condition of some people's hearts in here right now. And you know it. And the Spirit of God is pricking your heart. And He's saying, it's you. It's you. It's time. I'm here to save you. I'm here to rescue you. If that is you, I want you to, without hesitation, to just lift your hand right now. Go. Do it right now and say, that's me. I see you, big guy. Yes, sir. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Anybody anywhere else? Anywhere else? Yes. And the Bible says this. For those of you, just lift your hand. The Bible says this. If you confess Jesus Christ as the Son of God with your mouth and you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. I know it's far less complicated than do this, that, 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 and that. And that's what we're gonna do right now. If you're saved, I'm gonna give you a chance to hold fast to your confession before you leave here today. But those of you who just raised your hand, I want you to pray this with me out loud with your mouth. Say it as loud as you want or as quiet as you want, but I want you to say it. And, and the rest of the church, pray with me. Say, Lord, I confess with my mouth because I believe it in my heart that Jesus is God's son and that God raised him from the dead. It's through Jesus that I can have a relationship with the Father. So thank you for saving me. Thank you for leading me out of slavery. Thank you for leading me out of bondage. Thank you for renewing my mind and changing my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we praise God for these three people? Come on, let's praise God. Okay, for those of you that, that, that raised your hand, here's what's gonna happen probably today and over the next week. First thing the enemy does is this. Who wants to tell them? Who wants to yell it out loud? What? He's gonna attack with what? The only way the enemy knows how to attack. With lies. And what's the first lie gonna be? Say it louder. You're not. How many of you experienced that before? Wave your hand at me right now. Shoot, I experienced it last week. <laughs> the enemy's gonna say, you're not saved. And you're gonna say, look, I confessed. Tell the enemy he's a lie. Don't let those thoughts start rolling. It's called faith. It's the substance of things hoped for, but yet we can't always see it. You're gonna see the good work in your life soon enough. You're gonna see the change in your life soon enough. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. You've been saved. Now the rest of you, I wanna ask you this. Just for real, how many of you need a little trip to the throne? Let me see what they say. You need, I need a trip to the throne. Now this ain't the throne. This is an altar that we built. But we happen to believe that anything that we build and that we 
say is holy and we offer it to God, whether it's my house, my car, my, my couch, or my front yard, or, or three, four steps can become a holy place. And so I'm asking you this morning, if you need to come to the throne of grace, for grace and mercy, I'm asking you just to bust up out of your seat real fast. If you enjoyed today's message, we want to encourage you to join our Facebook online community. Search for Bethel Church online for more great content from our pastors and leaders here at Bethel. Join us next week for another inspiring message.